We continue in our study of Ezra and Nehemiah. This week we are in Nehemiah chapter 3. We will be reading the first 12 verses and then the final four verses of the chapter. I would invite you to stand as a reflection of the authority God's word has over us for the reading of God's word. Nehemiah 3. Then Elisha, the high priest, rose up with his brothers, the priests, and they built the sheep gate. They consecrated it and set its doors. They consecrated it as far as the Tower of the Hundred, as far as the Tower of Hanal. And next to him, the men of Jericho built. And next to them, Zakur, the son of Imri, built. The sons of Hassanai built the fish gate. They laid its beams and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars. And next to them, Merimoth, the son of Uriah, the son of Hakaz, repaired. And next to them, Meshulam, the son of Berakai, the son of Meshezebel, repaired. And next to them, Zadok, the son of Banna, repaired. And next to them, the Tekites, repaired. But their nobles would not stoop to serve the Lord. Joida, the son of Peshai, and Mashalam, the son of Besoadai, repaired the gate of Yesenah. They laid its beams and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars. And next to them repaired Methila, the Gibeonite, and Jadon, the Merithite, the men of Gibeon and of Mizpah, the seat of the governor of the province beyond the river. Next to them Uziel, the son of Hariah, goldsmiths, repaired. Next to him Haniah, one of the perfumers, repaired, and they restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. Next to them, Rapiah, the son of Hur, ruler of half the district of Jerusalem, repaired. Next to them, Jebediah, the son of Haramath, repaired opposite his house. And next to him, Hashut, the son of Hashabaniah, repaired. Malachijah, the son of Harim, and Hashub, the son of Pathath Moab, repaired another section and the tower of the ovens. Next to him, Shulam, the son of the horse gate, the priests repaired, each one opposite his own house. After them, Zadok, the son of Amur, repaired opposite his own house. And after him, Shemaiah, the son of Shechanai, the keeper of the east gate, repaired. After him, Hananiah, the son of Shelemiah, and Hanun, the sixth son of Zathul, repaired another section. After him, Meshulam, the son of Barakai, repaired opposite his chamber. And after him, Malachijah, one of the goldsmiths, repaired as far as the house of the temple servants and of the merchants opposite the muster gate, and to the upper chamber of the corner. And between the upper chamber of the corner and the sheep gates, the goldsmiths and the merchants repaired. This is God's word. You may be seated. Morning, everybody. My name is Craig, one of the elders here. 
Thanks for joining us. We got to give props to Jason for reading that not easy passage this morning. There's a lot of bow shizzles and mel fizzles in there and confusing names. He did a great job. Before we, what I want you to see from this text, I know that that was probably just a lot of names and a lot of boringness to you. It actually has a really significant message for us today. But before we get there, um, just wanted to, uh, I, I think Pat might have missed one person. Uh, when he was praying earlier just a second ago. Emily Freed actually is also a graduate. And so I just want to pray for her by name real quick. Would you guys just join with me? Didn't want to leave anybody out. Lord, thank you that you are a God who walks with us through life. You have brought us into your great story. You are, you have been so gracious to us by saving us and redeeming us and weaving our life into your eternal purposes. And we're so thankful for Emily, her family. We're thankful that they're part of this church. We ask that you would bless her and the other graduates um, with just a sense of your nearness to them, a hunger for your word, a love for the gospel, just a knowledge that you've washed away their sin, that you have sent them on mission, that they would remember what they've been taught, and that they would live it out for your glory. Bless her, bless all these graduates. Thank you that we get to celebrate together. We're thankful for your great faithfulness to us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, like I was saying, this passage, I know it's kind of a mouthful, but it actually is quite relevant and it's um, important for us. I was thinking about this week, um, something I read a while ago. I, I may have mentioned this particular writer before. His name is David Brooks. He's a columnist um, for the New York Times. And I read him occasionally. I listen to him occasionally, not, not super often. Um, but as a profession, his job is to, for the New York Times, observe and write about current cultural or sociological trends, political trends. He said, this is a couple years ago, but he said that one of the biggest current cultural problems from his view was that we live in a fragmented society, fragmented, broken into pieces. I would say post-COVID COVID, and then post-COVID, that might even be more true. We might feel that even more acutely now. I think to some degree we all feel this, the isolation, the separation, the tribalism, whether it's along political lines or as a response to COVID, like the way that people handle masking or social distancing. Some people say no mask, no distance. Some people say absolute mask, absolute distance. We tribalize, we fragment. Or maybe it's because of our economic status or our educational background or whatever it is, ethnicity, whatever. We isolate into tribes and we, we polarize. That's, that's the way things have been going. And it's become increasingly difficult for those lines to be crossed, the, the different tribes to actually come together because the intensity of that disagreement is only getting worse. Social media fuels that, isolation from COVID fueled that, um, but the result is, according to many studies, we are more lonely, more depressed, more isolated than ever before. Now, Ezra Nehemiah, which is the book that we've been reading through, it's the last historical account in the Old Testament. It gives us a window into God's work to rebuild, God's work of renewal. And in chapter three, we have a picture of God defragmenting his people. People coming together, invited by God to join his purposes for renewal in the world. Now, I don't know what feels heavy on your heart this morning, but I am praying, and I have been praying, and I am praying, I'm going to pray in a minute, 
that you will hear God's word to you this morning. I know it feels like a a little bit of a confusing word as we read in Nehemiah chapter 3, but that word is for you. He is at work here. He is here. He is renewing the world. And there is great hope. He wants you to be part of that. He's at work. He's here. There is hope. He wants you to be part of it. There is a job for you. So let's ask his help to see that today and uh, be mobilized to do his renewing work in the world. Pray with me real quick. Lord, renew us. Um, Renew us in the truth of your word. Fill us with spiritual strength to hear what you have to say say to us today. Exalt Jesus before our eyes this morning. Satisfy us with his love. Lord, I pray that the end result would be hearts that are worshiping you, satisfied in you, and mobilized to do your work in the world through the gospel. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So last week was uh, the second half of Ezra, I'm sorry, the second half of Nehemiah chapter 2. And what we saw was that God not only orchestrates all things to accomplish his purposes, God is in total control, but that he also invites us to play a role, to join him in accomplishing his purposes. Opposition and obstacles will come, but we can count on his hand being on us. Chapter 3, like I mentioned a couple times, at first glance, it's just a boring list of names. It's a roll call of people who joined God's work in rebuilding the wall around Jerusalem. Now, just getting a little bit of perspective, that building project, that is part of God providing for and renewing his people. So it's a very significant thing. And that work, God providing and renewing his people, that is the work that still continues today. He is still doing that. And it looks different since Jesus came. God works primarily in and through his church to bring renewal through the gospel. The gospel being that Jesus Christ died to save sinners. But the point of this chapter, chapter three, for you and for me today, is that you're needed. You're wanted. God invites you. He invites the God of the universe invites you to be part of his purposes in the world. So that, that list of names that Jason just read, if we look at who's listed there, um, with the exception of some nobles from Tekoa, who says they, they didn't want to stoop down to do the work, everyone's part of it. You got priests and laity. You've got nobles and commoners, men and women, people from all kinds of different jobs, all kinds of different backgrounds, all kinds of different ethnic backgrounds. And they're all there working together. So I'm going to spend the bulk of our time this morning considering with you the implications of that. All these people together, all working together, all part of God's purposes in the world. What what that means for your life and my life. But I want to pause before we do that and just and, and just marvel. Kind of worship God with you. Do you realize what's what's happening here? What what God is saying to us at the outset of this passage? The God of the universe. He's all-powerful, all-knowing, perfect, holy, gracious, righteous, good in all he does. His ways are unstoppable. In his divine providence, he chooses to stoop down, slow down, and allow us to play a part in his eternal purposes. That is profound. That, let me... 
That is that needs to seek in just a little bit. God doesn't need us. He does not depend on us. Yet in his love, he chooses to work eternal plans through men and women like us. We were studying this passage as a staff team and Cody Froelich happened to be there. And I said, Cody, what does this make you think? And he said, wow, that's a great response. Wow. I hope you can marvel just a bit this morning. Consider how good he is this morning. That one so high brings you into his eternal glorious purposes. So what we see from from Nehemiah chapter 3 is really this. Just very simply. God's work is for everyone. God's work is for everyone. All different people. All doing God's work. And I want to draw out three implications for our lives. That God's work is for everyone. Here's the first one. If God's work is for everyone, remember we we went through the list, there's a lot of different types of people from a lot of different places. If God's work is for everyone, you have a role, you have a job. No matter who you are, where you come from, what your skill sets are, everyone is needed. And all the work, all the different jobs is important because it's God's work. Everyone needs everyone in order to do the work that God has given us to do. Some work might be more clean. I don't know if Jason read it or not, I can't remember, but I would hate to be assigned to the dung gate. That would not be the cleanest of jobs, I imagine. Some work might be tedious or labor intensive, but everyone plays a part. No role is exalted above another. They're all important. And this is very much a picture of 1 Corinthians 12. When Paul describes the church as a human body made up of different parts. The parts are dependent on each other. They all belong. They all serve different functions and they're all needed. When my family and I, we were, when we were overseas as missionaries, we experienced the truth that is being illustrated in, in Nehemiah chapter 3. That we couldn't do God's work alone. People around the world, some people in this room, supported us and cared for us. They visited us. They gave us money so that we could live there. I'm getting a little emotional because I'm just so thankful. They hosted us when we came to the USA and they prayed for us. Oh, man. I'll tell you, how many times did we feel, you can ask my wife afterwards, we felt so often carried, we would say this about our time in China, that we felt carried along by the prayers of God's people. That he was ordering our steps in response to their intercession for for us and for the work. Now, this, this picture that I'm illustrating with from our own lives. This this came this also is in the Bible. Third John. Not an often read book. I think I read it when I was a kid because I wanted to just check the box that I read a book of the Bible because it's so short. But third John, verses five through eight. If you have a Bible, I'd encourage you to look at it because it's really it really hits the mark of this. It illustrates this that we all have a role to play and it all is God's work. Third John, verse five, I'm gonna read through verse eight. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testify to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, for they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. Here's what John's saying. John is saying there's a group of missionaries that are coming through, itinerant evangelists. They go out for the sake of Jesus' name and they want to tell the world about who Jesus is and what he's done for them. Take care of them, church. 
Provide for them, support them. Why? What is the reasoning? Verse 8, last phrase. That we, that is the other Christians, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. Fellow workers. All together. It all goes together. We all do the work together. William Carey was a pioneer missionary in India. And you could read a lot about him. But someone you don't hear about as often, but is just as important and vital to the work, was his dear friend, Andrew Fuller. Andrew Fuller uh, worked back in England. He stirred up support for Carey of all sorts, financial and prayer. And when Carey was getting ready to go, getting ready to leave for India, he, he was facing a very uncertain and potentially dangerous task. He said to Fuller, I will go if you will hold the rope. I'll go if you will hold the rope. That partnership, that work, that fellow workers for the truth. This is just a picture, an illustration of one of the many ways that we work together as the people of God to accomplish his purposes in the world. Maybe you will go. Maybe you will work on the dung gate. Maybe you will hold the rope. Maybe you will work in the nursery here at Christ Community. Whatever your role is, God's word says to you that you are a fellow worker for the truth. God's work takes everyone. And there is a role for you. That's the first one. Here's the second, second implication. If God's work is for everyone, sometimes the work is going to be outside your gifts, your skills, your comfort zone. Okay, we see that actually here in Nehemiah chapter 3. When it comes to wall building, Mr. Perfumer guy that is listed in this list, surely he feels out of his element, right? I'm sure that a lot of the blue collar guys who are used to doing a, a day's hard work of labor are laughing at a lot of the nobles as they're trying to swing the hammer. But they all pitch in to do what God has called them to do. Now think about our church family. One of the great blessings that we have, and Pat alluded to this earlier, one, one of the great opportunities that we have um, is our kids. Significant. God bless Mitch Dinsterman. Praise the Lord for him. And God bless all those who work to serve our youth, whether it's in the youth group or in the nurseries, Sunday schools, things like that. For some of us, serving the church being a part of God's work here in the church is doing that, helping out with the kids. And that's a good fit for us. Maybe we have kids of our own, or maybe we have a heart for kids. We just love being around kids. Maybe that fits. But there are quite a few of you, I know this, who don't necessarily love doing that kind of work, but you serve there anyway. You're willing to sacrifice. You're willing to give because the work is God's work and because there's a need there. Just want to just want to make this clear. What we see here in, Ezra, in Nehemiah chapter three, and what we see in each other as we step outside the comfort zone, we do what doesn't come naturally to us. That honors God. This says that He is worthy, and His work in this world is worthy. It's it's more important than my comforts. That's not to say that you only look for things that are outside your comfort zone. Some of you guys might want to do that. That's not what I'm saying. But it does mean that when you're called upon to serve. You're willing for a season, even if it doesn't, if it isn't the perfect fit. This is the second one, that God's work is for every one of us, for all of us. And sometimes that work will be outside your comfort zone. 
And here's the third implication. That if God's work is for everyone, it's, it's not just for the elite, for the select few. The first verse of Nehemiah chapter 3 tells us that the priests are working on the wall. These are the people that are paid to do God's work. They handle the temple affairs, the sacrifices, anything that connects to the temple, they've got it. And if it's God's work to build this wall, shouldn't they handle this too? Aren't you, aren't you guys paid to do God's work? That's not the picture we see. That's not the picture we see in scripture. We see everyone involved. They all join the work of God together. So when you think about being involved in Christ's community, what do you think? What do you expect? I'm, ta- I'm talking about Sunday mornings, but I'm also talking about throughout the week. Your involvement in the life of this church. Do you come to be a spectator? To consume the product that's being put out? Whether it's an MC, a Bible study, a Sunday morning. Being part of a church is, is not a consumer experience. There's not a class of super spiritual people that handle all the spiritual stuff. We all play a role. Our roles are different, but we all play a role. Let me try to illustrate this with with music, with singing. The singing that we do here on Sundays, what we just did. We have some great musicians up here at Christ Community, obviously. I'm so thankful for Matt Janke's leadership over the whole whole shebang. Um, Evan and Danielle today, super thankful. And many of the others who come up here and serve us week after week. God has gifted these people, right? They help us sing songs that turn our hearts and our minds to praise God. And in, in some ways, we get little, little foretastes of heaven. We're singing with the angels. When we sing on a Sunday, it can feel like uh, it's an exclusively we follow, that, that is all of us sitting out here, we follow the highly qualified leader type of experience. They're leading, we're just following. But singing, actually, like so much of God's work in the church, involves you too. There's a vertical component to the, to the singing that we do, where we sing praises to God. We're worshiping Him. We're making much of Him. We're exalting Him. A lot of the songs we sang this morning had that component. We sing out loud the truth of the Word of God to praise Him. But there's also a horizontal component to our singing together. We actually, you might, this might make you feel a little funny for a second, we actually sing for one another. I'm not talking about karaoke, but we are singing for one another. I know some of you probably don't, don't want to hear that or it makes you feel self-conscious that I'm singing for the people that are around me, but here's what I mean. Singing is not only for you and God, it's not just for the talented singers and we follow along. It's also for you and your brothers and sisters who are seated right there next to you, who you're in the room with. The songs we sing act not only as praise to God, but encouragement to one another, exhortation to one another, help for the people around you. Let me just give you an example. When we sing the song, great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness, O God, my father, morning by morning, new mercies I see. That praises God. Great is thy faithfulness, O God. You are faithful. And when you hear, though, the voices of your brothers and sisters joined together praising God like that, 
you also encourage and build one another up. You remember his faithfulness to you. But you also remember his faithfulness to the Duns, to the Berkeys, to the Cody's. You remember that this room is filled with people singing that same song about that same God who are worshiping him with you together. And you encourage one another. We're going to sing some songs in a minute. Oh, church, arise. Oh, church, arise. Put your armor on. Who's he talking to? What's the song? Who are we? Who are we singing to? We're singing to each other. We got to we got to take action, church. We got to move, church. We're encouraging each other. Do you see what I mean? This is what I'm trying to illustrate. Sundays together and MCs together and reaching out to neighbors and whatever you do, it's not a spectator sport. It's not for some elite super Christian. You don't leave that to the professionals. God hasn't done that. That's not the design for his church. He's entrusted that to all of us. He's given that to you, to all of us to do together. And so in fact, we need you, all of us. We, we all need each other. So please do not sit on the sidelines of this church. Please don't just come here to consume this as if it's a product that we're just pushing out. That is not the intent. It's far, far more than that. So much greater than that. You have a place here. A place to serve here. A place to work here. There's so much work to be done. And I just want to add this. I know that a lot of you in the room today, maybe two in online, you're, you're new. You come from places where the church itself, the church that you belonged to before, looked and acted and felt different. You probably had a place to serve there. And uh, now you feel like you're just building it from the ground up. You don't even really know where you fit. I just want you to know that uh, I and the other elders, a lot of people here, we're mindful of you. We care about you. And I just want to encourage you. There's a place for you here. There really is. Become a member. Plug in. Get connected to an MC. I know it isn't like your old church. I understand that. I understand that. But get involved here. There's a place for you. We need you. Serve the church. We need you. And some of you have been around. Been around for a while. But you're content to sit on the sidelines. And I don't know what's holding you there. But I think God's word confronts all of us today. To prayerfully consider this question. Where would you have me serve, Lord? How can I serve my church? So God's word, God's work, sorry, is for everyone. Not just the elite. So that means that you have a part to play here. Now, I I hope that um, that doesn't come across heavy-handed. I hope you sense that as an invitation An invitation not from me, but from God himself, who invites you into his work here to be part of his mission through this church here, making him known in Christ's community. That's what we're here to do. We're here to make known the son of righteousness to those who are in sin outside these walls. What a mission to be part of. It's worthy, right? It's worth your time. It's worth your sacrifice. And I hope that you sense that there are many roles that need to be played here, and they're all important. I hope you sense from God himself encouragement this morning to you that there's something for you here because there is. I just want to make one final observation from the text about the way that they're working, the manner that they're working. 
It's intentional in the way that this passage, Nehemiah chapter 3, describes it. And it's actually probably the most prominent feature of the chapter. It's a phrase that's used over and over and over. And did, did you catch it? Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? And next to, and next to, and after them, after them, and next to, and next to, over and over again this, throughout this chapter. Here's the observation. God's work is done side by side. God's work is done together. Previously, all Israel went about their individual businesses, right? But here for 52 days in the book of Nehemiah, they gathered side by side to do this work that God had given them to do. Chapter 3, if you follow those different groups of people, there's 41 of them, if I counted correctly. If you trace them group to group to group, it goes counterclockwise around the wall, um, just section by section by section by section. Think of this. Nehemiah, like Nehemiah, was placed in the court of the king for a reason. And like Nehemiah was brought by God to mobilize this work. And like all those people were gathered at that time in that place to do God's work side by side. Together, you are part of this church right now for a reason. God has you here for a reason. You have a role. You have a job to do. Everybody. And it's not just for for our sake, just for the sake of the church, just just to be a church. It's for the it's for the purposes of God. That God would be honored in people like us being brought from darkness. To light, being saved from their sins. He has you, you, in your place in the world, as part of this faith family, to do God's kingdom building work here and now. And your work is not alone. It's hard to see sometimes. If you can picture the people gathered around the wall, you might have to squint to see the next group of people a little bit further down the wall. But we gather Sunday after Sunday to remember that when we go out there where we're going to do most of our building, these are your co-laborers. This is who you're next to, who's after you, who's with you. You work side by side. So consider the picture from Nehemiah 3 and stop and consider the picture that we have right here this morning. All different types of people. I'm talking about us, all different types of people from all kinds of different places. We all have different stories, different strengths, different weaknesses, and none of us is perfect. All sinners who need a savior. We've been brought into his family by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And we have been commissioned, filled with his spirit, sent out to bring the gospel to the world, to do the Lord's work. That's what you're part of. In Acts 11, the church in Antioch, that's where uh, the followers of Jesus were first called Christians. The city of Antioch was divided up into ghettos, that is, walled off sections within the city. There was a section for the Jews, for the Ethiopians, for the Romans, and so on. It was a way for them to keep the peace. Build some walls, section off these groups by ethnicity. When the gospel came into Antioch, people from all these different people groups began to believe, and then they began to be together constantly. 
they began to work side by side. They worked together to do the Lord's work. They wanted to let the world know what Jesus had done for them. And the people of Antioch, though, didn't know what to call them anymore. They're not Africans anymore, because they're not all Africans. They're not Jews anymore, because they're not all Jews. They're not all Romans anymore, because they're not all Romans. So what are they? Oh, they all follow Jesus, the Christ. We'll call them Christians, a new identity. The distinguishing mark that brought them together was Jesus. They were bound together by Jesus. That's the distinguishing mark here. Oh, let it be the distinguishing mark here. That we are bound together by Jesus, the Christ. We are Christians. Sometimes we sense that, that bond. Sometimes we don't. I get that. I understand that. But it's true. That is what binds us together. And when Paul gives that body metaphor in 1 Corinthians 12, he says that the way that we work together, the way that we work together side by side comes through the Holy Spirit. The same spirit is poured into all of us. If you've trusted in Christ today, if you are a Christian, as weak and as broken as you may feel, you may feel like your faith is just a faintly burning little candle. That same spirit has been poured into you. That, Jesus says, that spirit of God poured into you makes you greater than the greatest man that was born of a woman. That is John the Baptist. Jesus said that the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John the Baptist. If you know the gospel, if you have the spirit of God in you, you are great in his eyes. And I bring this up to you this morning because I think it's so easy to forget how powerful the bond is that we share as brothers and sisters. God's work that he's invited into that he's given, given to us. He's empowered by that spirit. He's filled with that spirit. His spirit empowers our worship together when we're singing or serving or listening like you're, what you're doing right now. And if we had eyes to see what's going on in this place, even in this moment, what is going on in your heart, we would see just how close we really are. Just how much we really need each other. And just how much God is doing in and through us, even in this moment. God's work is for everyone. Everyone. Like Nehemiah, he left privilege, Jesus that is, left privilege, power, and safety in the heavenly throne room. And he came to the broken city of man. He did not come only to build a house of stones. He came to build a house of people, you and me. And did you also know, we've talked about that a lot, but did you also know that he came to tear down a wall? That's not very Nehemiah-like, but that's what Jesus did. And it comes from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. This is what it says about Jesus. But now in Christ Jesus, you, this is talking about us, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So we were far away and now we've been brought near. For he himself is our peace. Who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Because Jesus came, whether we're Jew or non-Jew, no matter who you are or where you're from, Jesus has brought you near to God through his blood. He is our peace. And if the massive wall between us and God is torn down because of Jesus, 
the little walls that are between each other are torn down too. He's made us one man. Jesus did that. He's done that for the whole world. And we have work to do. We need to tell the world what he has done for us. Look, the last 18 months have been full of changes. And if we look ahead, I think if we're honest, there's more changes coming. We know that. But in all that God has ahead for us as a church, as his people, this little faith family that we're a part of, don't miss this. In all the changes to come, if you follow Jesus, the 2021 version of Nehemiah chapter 3, listing all those people who do his work, who are part of his redemptive purposes in the world, the 2021 version of chapter 3, it's got your name on there. You're a part of God's redeeming work in the world. It's for all of us. Let's do it together. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you have indeed, through your blood, Lord Jesus, broken down that dividing wall of hostility between us and you. You brought us here through your blood. And because of that, no matter what obstacles we face, you can break down the walls between us too. Lord, I pray that that kind of healing would happen, that kind of work would happen, and that kind of empowerment would happen, that we would be together as one man doing your work, and we would do your work together. Lord, everyone has a place here. Open our eyes. Show us where we can serve. Lord, please don't let us just sit passively by Sunday after Sunday. Help us to come here actively to engage with you and to worship you, to be part of encouraging our brothers and sisters in the faith and those who don't know you to tell them about you. And send us out, Lord, filled with your spirit, empowered, one man, unified in you. Thank you for the great work you have done for us. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the means by which it all happens, that we are your house, that your presence is with us. Make us a blessing to the nations. It's in your name we pray. Amen.